Isn't it good to hear the piano and the organ together? Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers, and maybe would-be mothers, and, uh, well, I can go on and on, I guess, and I'll keep putting my foot in my mouth, I'm sure. But I, uh, uh, we're sincere in our, our wish to all you mothers for a happy Mother's Day. I hope you have good memories of your mothers or of, your, or, or of uh, others who have been mothers in your life. Um, this week we had three little boys at our place for a whole week. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're at the end of a rope, but it's a happy rope. And uh, so I thought of a couple of scriptures here uh, psalms that are uh, talk about children, and of course, uh, you can't have motherhood without children. So I thought I would read here Psalm 127. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So there, what a... What a great encouragement for us to receive children into our lives, whether they're our own children or grandchildren. And then Psalm 128 adds a few more thoughts here. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man, the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So there again, this tremendous blessing that we have to bring children uh, into our lives and to be willing then to do the work of raising them up to be pillars of faith in the community. <clears throat> Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we recognize that you are the God of heaven and earth. You are the giver of life. You are the redeemer of our souls. You are the forgiver of our sins. And you have promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Father, this day we bring you praise and we bring you glory, and we also raise up for you to bless our mothers who have loved us, our mothers who have trained us and pointed us to you. We thank you for mothers, and this day we pray that, uh, that they will sense that blessing in a powerful way. So Father, now as we bend our knees and bend our hearts and and uh, humble ourselves before you. We pray that you would receive our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies. Good morning. We ask that you stand with us this morning. We're thankful for our mothers, and we're also thankful for the spring. It's finally sprung. <laughs> yeah. And so let's sing number 58, For the Beauty of the Earth. Oh! 
Thank you. You may be seated for the next songs. Let's continue to praise God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. song may not be quite as familiar to you, but please sing along. It's easy to catch on, and uh, the words are wonderful. It talks about the goodness of God. Your voice, 
darkest night you are close like no other i've known you as a father i've known you as a friend i have lived in the goodness of god all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god your goodness is running after it's running after me is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i'm surrendered now i give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me all my life you have been faithful so so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so Let's take a quick look at our bulletins. There are a few announcements there. <clears throat> First of all, our missionaries of the week are Preston and Myra Wheeler. And remember that they are still in grief at the death of his mother as they try to carry on life without her, and they will. Uh, life in the church. Um, as a congregation, we're seeking the Lord's direction at, as to our future. And you're invited, uh, if you need a, to find a place to pray, you can, you can come here, the church will be open. It's not that this is a holier place to pray, <laughs> but if you have trouble getting away from uh, the busyness of life, this is a place you can come and pray. We're also planning, uh, in our planning for the future, uh, there's, there's that red box in the foyer. Uh, we would invite you to please continue contributing your thoughts, and your uh, advice and your ideas and uh, I suggest that you do it in, a, in a, an encouraging and positive manner and I would also add if you could even put a reason why do you think that way what is the reason that you think this would be a good idea I think that would be helpful for us also and then uh, we've also got a response here to Ukrainian families uh, coming into Winkler we are accepting donations of food, clothing, uh, bedding, furniture, etc. Non-perishable items can be put in the brown trunk in the foyer. Clothing and bedding can be dropped off at the church office, and you can you can um, oh sorry, furniture and appliances, etc. Uh, please call the church office so that a uh, pickup can be arranged. Now this. Uh, <clears throat> Don't be too hard on Susan if she can't answer all your questions. Uh, there, the, the details uh, change from time to time and uh, sometimes from week to week. So uh, it's a bit of a moving target as to how exactly things are happening. Uh, we're, 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 our response is together with another response in the community, which is um, regional connections and uh, 1613 ministry and so on. So there's a coordinated effort in the community. Uh, Susan doesn't always have the answers, so um, 
Anyway, just so you know that. And also, uh, celebrations coming up. Um, Salem Foundation, together with Salem Home Ladies Auxiliary, invites you to an in-person summer barbecue celebration on Wednesday, May 25. Supper from 7.30, uh, sorry, 5.30 to 7.30. And you can read the rest of the details there. Uh, don't forget to bring a lawn chair. Sounds like a good time. And then uh, to uh, our church family, a few things have changed there. <clears throat> Tina Fair and Dorothy Giesbrecht are, have been discharged already. They are not at the hospital. Uh, both of them uh, are improving. Uh, Tina said she's very thankful to be out of the hospital and at home, and her walking, some time ago she was unable to walk, and now her walking is improving, so she's very thankful for that. <clears throat> but let's also remember uh, Henry Thiessen, Terp Thiessen, who's in the hospital, uh, Marge Thiessen, and Dietrich Martens is also in the hospital. He's there with a bladder infection, so he's gonna be there for a few days. And also Rita Friesen is in the hospital. She was, uh, she has fall, she fell and was taken to the hospital. She's, she's looking a little banged up, but she's in very good spirits. So pray for these people and let's walk together with them. And then another prayer request here is for Carol Clausen, who has been diagnosed with bone cancer. Doctors are determining what kind of treatments to use. So pray for Carol and Hank and their family as they do this hard road. And then a note of thanks from Alvin and Doreen. She says, thank you for caring your love and your prayers in the recent unexpected passing of our son Richard. Your thoughtfulness reminds us that God's love is here for you, for us, always. So let's keep on remembering them also. I'll ask the ushers to come forward at this time. And why don't we stand to pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us. We look around and we just see that we have been showered with blessing upon blessing. This morning we've talked of our mothers and how very richly blessed many of us are through our mothers, through their care. We are also uh, blessed, uh, the men in this church, with the mothers that they have married, who have raised their children and, uh, and seen how they do things that fathers don't do. And we just thank you, Father, for how you have created motherhood and the family. We also thank you, Father, for our church. And we thank you for um, how we've been able to talk about our future. And I pray, Father, that as we continue these discussions, that you would give us ears for each other and that we would be able to think together, what do we want to do? How do we want to move ahead? And so we ask for your guidance, your wisdom, and your direction, and your blessing. And Father, we also pray for the Ukrainian families that are making their way to our community. There's a great need there. They need places to stay. We don't know if they will stay for a short time or a long time, but right now they're in crisis. They've run from home, their country is being bombed, and they just need a place to rest and to be. And so I pray, Father, that we as a community who remember that we too have fled, many of us, from the Ukraine under similar circumstances, and I pray that you would move us to be compassionate and to do our part to meet the needs that are there, to welcome these people, and to love them. Now, Father, we also pray for our people who are suffering. Uh, Tina and Tina Fair and Dorothy Giesbrecht have been discharged, but we pray that you'd continue to grant healing there. For Henry Thiessen and Marge Thiessen, that you would give them the care that they need at the hospital. We know, Father, that all healing comes from you, and so we pray that you would, that you would do it. We pray for Dietrich Martens also, and for Rita Friesen, who've recently gone into the hospital. You know their needs also, and we pray that each one of these people would sense your presence today, that they would have the opportunity to hear the word and to hear songs sung that lift up your name and to be encouraged in their faith. 
And Father, we also pray for Carol Clausen and Hank. At such a heavy diagnosis to bear, bone cancer. And so, Father, uh, whatever hope there is to, to deal with this, we ask you for it now. That, that, uh, that, that you would walk with them in the midst of this difficulty. And that you would strengthen their faith. And that even though the road is hard, that you would give them joy in their faith. And that you would use them even to minister to those who come to bring them comfort. And we pray that their faith would grow and that they would be more and more firmly anchored in you. And now, Father, we said that you have blessed us so richly, and we want to return that to you. So would you receive our offerings this morning, and would you use it for your purposes? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew 
and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Thank you, Jay, for reading the scripture for us this morning. It's interesting to see within our body that we have grandmother, we have um, uh, daughter or son, and we have grandchildren. And Jay, he read the scripture, his mother is Gisla, and Anna is her, his um, grandmother, and they participate together. Now we look over for Clara and also for Lori and Elisa, and we are thankful especially that when we listen to music, you play together. Grandma, daughter, and granddaughter. Isn't that special? And we thank you and all others who participate together in such a way as this. Every child that comes into the world is special no matter how they are or who they are. They're special because they are created in God's image. Of course, when we have children or grandchildren, we want them to come into the world. And when they do come into the world, we're excited when they're healthy, they look great, and um, they turn out to be smart, intelligent little children that grow into adults. But what happens when your child comes into this world and for some reason there's come in with a defect? on them, whether it is on the outside or in on the inside. It's hard, especially as a mother, but as a mother, you will look at that child and you will say, that is my child at, that God has given me, and I will do my utmost to bring my child up in the fear of the Lord. I will encourage that child, I will be by their side. Charles W. Eliot, Harvard's esteemed president of yesteryear, was born with a disfiguring birthmark. At first it was the most difficult it was most difficult for his mother to accept. All the while, however, she was schooling herself in the art of loving her unattractive child, saying as she met his needs, He is my son. He is my son. With the passing years, Mrs. Elliot had every right to say, and with pride, he is my son. One honor after another marked Elliot's achievement until at last, in 1869, the son of a Boston's mayor was elected president of Harvard University. What would it have been like if this mother had not loved her child? Every child is precious in God's sight, no matter who they are. This morning from the pages of scripture, we find a captivating story about three women who went about saving a child. One was a biological mother, one became an adoptive mother, and the other one was, a baby, uh, was the baby's sister. In this passage of scripture that was read to us by Jay, we see the marvelous sovereignty of God and how he worked to preserve the life of a child. This child, we know, became the redeemer of Israel at that time, a deliverer, which was the prototype of Jesus Christ. And of course, his name is Moses. I've entitled this message this morning, God uses a mother, a daughter, and an adoptive mother to deliver the deliverer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we see that you have ordained the family. You have placed mothers in the home along with fathers. Lord, you have given both the privilege of raising children together, and at the same time, as the father is often away from the family, the mother needs to raise the child. Help us to understand the value of a godly mother, the value of a mother who will take a child and help them to become the men and women that they are meant to be. And I pray, Father, that we here today would highly esteem our mothers and our grandmothers, and also those mothers who are around us. 
Help us to give, Lord, give us appreciation for each one who is here today and to hold them also up in prayer because they have an important responsibility to fulfill. Now I pray, Father, you'd go with us into the rest of the scriptures. Help us to understand what you'd have us live out in our lives today through the word. For this we pray, amen. God uses a mother, a daughter, and also a baby sister to do the things that needed to be done that day. And how was that? By God giving a mother's wisdom on how to protect her child. Verse 1 through 4. Yes, God was giving a mother wisdom on how to protect her child. Although in verse 1 it's very short, um, we learn some insightful things about this. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. From this short verse, we learn this. Both mother, both Mo Moses' mother and father's ancestors came from the house of Levi. So there's no question about their heredity. Levites were God's appointed religious order that the leaders and that were to lead Israel. From the line came the priests, the judges, and the prophets. Although Israel would one day want a king, the king could not operate apart from the, the religious structure that God had put in, within the country. That is why Saul lost his kingdom. He tried to work independently from Samuel, but he disobeyed the Lord when he offered a sacrifice that only Samuel could, could do. And thus Saul ended up disobeying the Lord. And he lost the kingdom because of that. Now the question is, who is the woman who gave birth to Moses? Who is this woman? Her name is Jochebed, and Moses' father's name is Amran. We find that later on in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, in Numbers 26, 59, interesting things about their lives. And when Jochebed gave birth to Moses, she found the child very beautiful, so she hid him for three months. And undoubtedly, his, uh, undoubtedly, this was relatively easy to do for the first three months, simply because the baby was, would be eating most of the time and sleeping. Another observation from this verse is that it does not, that it does not mention Amran, Moses' father, trying to provide safety for his son. It doesn't say anything about this here. This verse is silent because Amran was an enslaved, enslaved person who had to go to work as a slave and had no choice in the matter. However, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we find something out very interesting about this individual. It provides us some more significant information. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 23 or Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23 says this, by faith Moses' parents hid him for 3 months after he was born because he saw he or they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were afraid of the king's edict. So Amram played his role along with his wife, Jochebed, in providing protection even though he was gone from the home most of the time. One can parallel this to mothers today. Often the father is away working and sometimes if you have to work in sales or perhaps even on the road driving truck, you are away from your family for long periods of time and the mother is left behind to make important decisions on how to rear the children. Those decisions are often hard and do not happen unless the mother is praying and asking the Lord. Well, today we have communication with cells and other instant communication, and we can, re and a mother and a, a husband can, pardon me, a mother and a father can relate to one another very quickly through this technology, and they can come together on how they should raise a child. Before we go any further, I want to remind you that Moses is the author of the first five books of Moses. So he is writing 
the story about his mother. This is a tribute to her, and he has the opportunity to write about her. In verse 3, there is a parallel, flood, a parallel to the flood recorded in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 3 with me of Exodus chapter 2 that was already read for us. Exodus chapter 2 verse 3 says this, But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Close quote. In the same way, God used an ark, coated it with tar and pitch to save mankind and the animals. And now God was using Jochebed to, to create a miniature ark for Moses, which would end up saving the deliverer, of, uh, the, the deliverer of Israel. Moses had skillfully, remember he's the writer of the story at this time, Moses had skillfully weaved the storyline together to display God's saving power. In verse 4, Moses' sister is introduced. She plays an essential role in preserving Moses' life and assisting in leadership as an adult. Her name is Miriam, and we find out about her in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20. It says this, Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing, in the, uh, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horses and its rider he has hurled into the sea. And that song goes on, speaking about the deliverance of Israel. Marian was the older sister of who? Of Moses. And also, we also learn that Aaron was the older brother of Moses. We learn interesting things from the scriptures as we put them together. Exactly how old as Miriam was at this time, we do not know. She was likely not old enough to be a slave in the fields because she was not found there. Yet she was old enough to be along the river banks so that no one complained about this young child running up and down the river banks. She watched the basket that Moses was in and at the same time could relay important information to her mother what was happening to him. Often that is what mothers will do. They will take an older daughter or son and they will put them in charge of the child to watch for a little while. And we've all done that, or at least my wife has done this. You watch your little brother over here for a while because I'm doing this. And immediately they become part of the, of the team working together. Now we come to the second element that God uses a mother, a daughter, an adoptive mother to deliver the deliverer. Number two, by God moving the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to protect the child. By God moving the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to protect the child, verses five through six. Now why does this child need protection? The answer is that it has now already been 380 years since the children of Israel entered Egypt. They have begun to multiply, and the Egyptians have now seen them as a threat to their survival. So Pharaoh had decided to kill all the male ch children as soon as they were born. That meant that baby Moses was in danger of losing his life. Listen again as I read verses five and six. As God set in motion protection for the child which came from the hierarchy of the Egyptian kingdom at this time. Verse five says this, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. 
She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Exodus chapter two, verses five through six. Although we may think that these events were by chance or by coincidence, God has ordained everything in a person's life. Everything that is going to be happening to you and I has been ordained by God himself. Acts chapter 17, 26 tells us about this. From one man he has made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined to set to, uh, he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. I want you to think about that. We are not here by accident. We are not here by accident. God has a plan for each person. Here is a fascinating twist to the whole city, uh, to the whole story at this time. This Hebrew baby, who the Pharaoh's daughter found, should have meant instant death for, uh, uh, for this child. But instead, this is going on to protect the child. Really, Moses should have been slain at this time because he was a Hebrew, and the edict from the Pharaoh was clear. This is so ironic. God used an event event that should have been disastrous to bring about the greatest good in Moses' life and also in Moses' parents' life. God never leaves his children alone. If you are a child today, he has you in the palm of your hand. You might not see it, you might not think it, but God is always there and always at work. Remember the story of Corrie ten Boom that I've mentioned probably a couple of other times? That when she was in the Nazi concentration camps, her whole, her whole unit was infested with, tree, with lice. And she thought to herself, why are we suffering like this? Only later did she realize that the reason why the guards left her alone and she could study her Bibles and share her faith with her friends was because they were scared and terrified of the lice. Yes, the guards left them alone. God gave something that was difficult that became a blessing. Think for a moment. What are you facing in your life today that looks so disastrous, looks so impossible, or looks so difficult, or the things aren't turning out the way that you think they should? God is in that circumstance working all things for your good and for his glory. We may not see it, but God is there. But one day we will look back and we will see how God worked in our lives when we didn't even know he was working. For every mother and grandmother, your life will be continually filled with bittersweet experiences. But never forget that God in every aspect of your life, even He's working in every aspect of your life, even if you can't feel him and you can't see him at work. God is there. The most important part is how God molds you into the mom and the grandmother and the person that he wants you to be. Even after the children are gone and the grandchildren are gone and you are still living, God has a purpose for you. The outside is never as important what happens on the inside of your heart. Now we come to the third element. God uses a mother and a daughter to deliver the deliverer. Number three, by using the baby sister to bring the mother to nurse the child. By God using the baby sister to bring the mother to nurse the child. Verses seven through nine. Listen as I read these verses. 
Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrews' women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me. I will pay you. I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Close quote. This is undoubtedly the most intriguing story so far. In this account, Jochebed gives birth to a child and hides him for three months. Then when she cannot hide him any longer, she puts him in a basket and places him in the Nile. No sooner does she do this than Pharaoh's daughter finds the child while he is crying. In perfect timing, in perfect timing, enters Moses' sister Miriam, who had been watching from the distance. Here we learn some impressive qualities about Miriam's character already at, work, already at an early age. First, she remains faithful to her watching the basket. That was the assignment she was given, and where is she found doing what she was called to do? Second, she was not scared to take action when the basket was found. She didn't freeze. She didn't run away from her responsibility. Third, she moved quickly and was in the right place at the right time to advise Pharaoh's daughters what needed to be done and she did exactly that. John Maxwell says this, the wrong action at the wrong time leads to disaster. The right action at the wrong time brings resistance. The wrong action at the right time is a mistake. And the right action at the right time results in success. The right action at the right time results in success. As a young child, Miriam knew what to say and do at precisely at the right time. Fourth, Miriam had words of wisdom to give. Moses was crying and obviously he was hungry. Who would feed this baby? So she suggests a Hebrew woman for three reasons. First, the Hebrews were enslaved and forced to do everything that was commanded of them. Second, the child was Hebrew, so why not have a Hebrew feeding this child? Third, since Miriam was Jewish, there would be no better person than for the mother to be looking after her own child. Now comes the turning point in the whole story. Pharaoh's daughter says, go. And Marion went and got her mother. And immediately the mother came, and there she was able to take the baby. As Jochebed was going, maybe some thoughts were running through her mind. Perhaps she was thinking that this was a setup. This was a setup to know that I'm the mother of the baby that was supposed to be killed, and now I would be caught. But nonetheless, Jochebed went and did what was necessary. When she goes, three things happen. First, the baby receives guaranteed protection from the princess of the royal family. Wow! Second, Jochebed gets to be with her son. Could this, could you think of anything better than a young ma mother who's willing to give up her child now to receive protection for this child who would not be put to death? And not only that, now to receive benefits because she was going to be paid for taking care of her own child. Third, Jochebed, uh, uh, th Jochebed um, gets to be with her child 
and there serve her child. As Pharaoh's daughter was undoubtedly planning to adopt them, she made sure the nurse was well taken care of. And how was that nurse? As I said, she was paid her, uh, Moses' mother. Forth in the midst of Jochebed's worth situation, she was receiving the greatest blessing. Now the scales had been turned. Now the worst had turned out to be the best. Sometimes you and I may wonder what good could come out of this horrible situation that we are in. I remember reading a story about a person injured on the job. When they had operated on him, they found a cancer developing and they removed it immediately. The doctor then said to him that if this had not happened to him, if this accident had not taken place, they would have never found the cancer in time and that would have been the end of her life. Interesting how the worst can turn out to be the best. However, not all stories turn out this way that we would like them to turn out. But God has promised our grace and his, uh, God has promised us grace and strength to go to take us through any testing and trial. Once again, we can learn an incredible important truth that God is in control of every aspect of our lives and is working out all things for our good and for his glory. Of course, this does not say that Jochebed had a carefree, easy life. On the contrary, she still remained a slave. And she also gave up her son one day, not seeing him again. When Moses had to leave the land and go into the desert and then come back to be the leader of Israel. Now we come to the fourth and the last element God uses a mother, daughter, and adoptive mother to deliver the deliverer. Number four, by God using Pharaoh's daughter to bring the baby to a place of prominence. You have to go down before you can go up. By God using Pharaoh's daughter to bring the baby to a place of prominence prominence, verse 10. Verse 10 once again says this, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him from the water. I drew him from the water. Although Pharaoh's daughters worshiped false gods, we learn that she had some good qualities qualities. First, she was not prejudiced against the Hebrews, and she didn't view them as the untouchables. Second, she was willing to pay. I want to repeat that again, as we've already. She was willing to pay a Hebrew slave to nurse the child when she, when she could have received all the work for free. Incredible. And God designed all of this. Third, she could have called for the authorities to have the child put to death because this was the decree of her father. But instead, she had compassion on the child and she took the child in. Fourth, she loved this child so much she was willing to face the consequences of her father's wrath if he decided against this. We are not told why Pharaoh's daughter wanted to adopt this child. We don't know why. Could she not have children of her own at this time? Was she still too young and just wanted to have a baby for a son? Whatever the situation was, we are not told. But we know that God had his hand in orchestrating the whole plan. God was using this princess to help shape and mold this child into the person God intended him to be. I'm sure it was not Moses' mother's way that she thought this should all happen. 
But God many times works in a different way than what you and I think he should. Verse 10 tells us Pharaoh's daughter took Moses to be her son when the child grew older. This whole process did not happen overnight. In those times, a child was nursed for three or four years. The princess told the nurse to take the child and nurse him rather than having the nurse come into her own home. The nurse would also have the responsibility in her own home or have other responsibilities in her own home so she wouldn't she could so she wouldn't have to come to the royal palace but she could have an impact on Moses for 4 years of his life before one day she would give him to be adopted in one sense this was very good because Jochebed could be with Moses all of these years. However, you can imagine the severe pain that Moses' mother felt when she had to give her son over to be adopted at that time. I'm sure it must have ripped her heart out. Yes, she was thankful that her son's life was spared and that he would be raised up in the royal house of privilege. But this must have been hard and difficult to give her son away at this time. Also notice a vital factor, and that it was Pharaoh's daughter who named the child. Who named the child? Pharaoh's daughter. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Also, Pharaoh's daughter really loved this child. So what can we say about women's role according to God's plan? I close with this quote from John MacArthur from his book entitled, 12 Extraordinary Women. 12 Extraordinary Women. He says one of the most one of the unique features of the Bible is the way that it exalts women. Far from ever demeaning or belittling women, Scripture often seems to go out of the way to pay homage to them, to ennoble their roles in society and family, to acknowledge the importance of their influence, and to exalt the virtues of women who are particularly godly examples. From the very first chapter of the Bible, we are taught that women like men bear the stamp of God's own image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Women play prominent roles in many key biblical narratives. Wives are seen as venerated partners and cherished companions to their husbands, not merely slaves or pieces of whole household furniture. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 24, Proverbs chapter 19, 14, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 9. At Sinai, God commanded children to honor father and mothers, Exodus 20, verse 12. That was a revolutionary concept in the era when most pagan cultures were dominated by men who ruled their households with a Roman fist, while women were usually regarded as lesser creatures, mere servants to men. Yet women are by no means marginalized or relegated to second class within the scriptures. Galatians 3.28 tells us that. And on the contrary, scripture seems to set women apart for special honor as 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7 tells us. And husbands are commanded to love their wives sacrificially as Christ loves the church, even if necessary at the cost of their 
own lives. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 31. The Bible acknowledges and celebrates the priceless value of a virtuous woman. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 31, almost the entire chapter there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. In other words, from cover to cover, the Bible portrays women as extraordinary, close quote. So, it was with Moses' mother, Jochebed, Moses' sister, Miriam, Moses' adopted mother, the princess. These people were indeed extraordinary women that God used. How are you going to honor your mother and your wife this day on the way that you have been raised and the way that your spouse has raised your children. What are you going to do that would set them apart, lift them up, and honor them because they have been called by God to do the most important task, which is to raise children. And God has ordained them to that task. What will you do to make them feel appreciated, loved, and honored this day? Please stand with us. And we'll sing our last song, To God Be the Glory, number 532 in your hymnals.
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, a day that we can honor our mothers and our wives. We thank you for the provision of the family, that when you looked upon mankind, you knew there had to be a family. You knew that not only fathers were needed, mothers were needed, and you ordained that. I pray, Father, that you'd continue to have your hand upon each mother here today who has children at home, that you would give them your grace and strength, and especially, Lord, as they instruct their children, that they will grow up to be men and women of God. We also thank you that although our children may be gone, that the mother's job is never over. A grandmother's job is never over. They are called to pray, to encourage, to build up their children so that the children will walk faithfully with you. Thank you, Lord, for establishing the family. Thank you for every mother. And we give them honor today because you have called us to do that. Now, according to the Apostle Paul, as he says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Amen. May you go in the peace and the strength of the Lord, and may you wish the mothers around you a happy Mother's Day.